Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Angry Sticks! Yeah, baby! It's that time. We've got stick-on-stick violence. It's brutal in here! We're going up against the stick industrial complex. (laughs) And if this doesn't make sense, don't worry. You're not missing anything. It's about to once you get into this episode. And boy, oh boy, howdy, is it a good one. We are continuing our series on Joseph Smith, the, the Papa of Mormonism. Papa! Yeah, and it is a uh, is a great episode, Paige. Thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> for doing this, um, I was trying to tell somebody else about uh, we were we were working on something um, regarding Nexium, mm-hmm. and we were I was going through our old uh, our old show document, our research document for Nexium, and I forgot that I read an entire quote-unquote patented document explaining rational inquiry and tried to like piece it all out together and it broke my brain and i can see the beginnings of that happening to you in just reading things that are so ridiculous a little bit although i also had to read that package on rational inquiry for the thing that we did for nexium and then I had to answer questions about it where people were like, so what is rational inquiry? And I was like, basically just questions, dog. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. You ask a question, I answer a question. It's fucking brutal. I, uh, yeah. Oh God. I remember it took me like two days to read through that entire fucking thing. Ugh. Oh, anyway, but this time we're talking about Joseph Smith. We're here. We're, we're excited. We're in it. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know about a little something called RTX, baby. That's right. Next week, July 1st, Colt Podcast will be at RTX. And uh, we are putting on a little panel. You're not going to want to miss it. It's got everything you could want. It's got cult podcasts. It's got games. It's got prizes, maybe. It's got a special guest. Oh, God. It's going to be a good time. You're not going to want to miss it. Come out to RTX. Uh, Come see us at RTX. Either way. And uh, hey, guess what? Tickets are available. And you can find a link in uh, the description of this episode so go 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 buy those tickets baby let's go it's not a scam it's a live show yeah we definitely found water <laughs> so go on get in there it's gonna be a blast Paige and i are gonna be there uh we're also doing the comedy show for rtx the same night which i believe is sold out um but yeah come through you're gonna love it you're gonna love the way it feels i guarantee it um and yeah without any further ado let's hop into the show hello 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 where is the gold For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers, organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships, and organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm the scumbag king himself, Armando Torres. And with us, we have the day off. So uh, <laughs> we're recording this on a Monday, which is unusual for us. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I got to. So. I've gotten a day off today, and it's the first day off I've had in um, in a while, like mm-hmm. proper day off. And I'm still working, actually, now that I think Same. about it. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're I was here. like, I have the day off. I only have to record one podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we just finished Must Be Dice over at Funhouse, so I uh, am not constantly stressed all of the time, always, uh, which feels really nice. And so it's been the first time I've had a day off. And so last night I decided to stream 
I wanted to play that game, The Quarry, Quarry which is a game yeah. you would fucking love. I'm sure I would nail it. Like multiple people at this point have like paid you have to play Quarry. Yeah, the best part is like it's it's skill checks, so it's like pressing buttons when they pop up and mm. uh, like making decisions and thinking like a storyteller. So like if you want to keep everyone alive, you can. Yeah. But yeah. you could also do what I did and just try to make the horniest decisions possible. See, I'm in favor of that. I feel like that's how I would play it. Mikey brought this up uh, as we were recording previously this week. And he was like describing it. I was like, this sounds terrible. And then other people described it. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> like, yeah. you mean I could fuck with everybody? I might like this. I think you would absolutely love it. It's a really fun game. Uh we got really intense on stream on in, in the chat. My my chat is uh, colloquially known as the Horny Boys or Los Horny Boys, depending on who you ask. I think ask. I've been in the Los Horny Boys chat before. Oh uh, yeah, they're 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 streams. They're wet and wild, baby. They are <laughs> revving. Uh, we ended up buying a website domain. <laughs> so Wait, which one? You What's can go the new to domain? you can go to www.carpets69.com. <laughs> I bought it for $13 and then GoDaddy immediately told me I might be able to sell it for upwards of $800. So naturally, <laughs> we set it, uh, we put it on the market for the price of $6,969.69. Of course, of course, of course. Carpets, Absolutely. 69. Now, does that refer to someone's pubic carpet or just general <laughs> carpet that would be on a floor? It's kind of both. It's kind okay, of an all-encompassing. Okay. We were our thing was like if you're gonna do a bunch of murders and you're gonna get blood everywhere, you're gonna, gonna want need carpets. You're gonna want to put down a carpet, and there might be some cannibalism, so you might need to munch carpet. You know, you might need that for the. For I the mean, I feel like, and, and this is just me. This is a controversial opinion. Ooh, you never know when cannibalism is gonna pop up, so you should practice munching carpet as often mm -hmm. as possible. <laughs> That's yeah. Actually, I don't. I I disagree. I don't think that's that controversial. Page. I I I look. It's better to munch box uh, carpet. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> it's better to munch carpet and not need it <laughs> than, than to, to have never munched at all. I yeah. agree. I agree. You don't want to be unprepared. Oh my god. Yeah. So we I streamed for the first time in forever. It's been so long, and uh, the I streamed like a couple days in a row. I think, or maybe on like Friday and Saturday, and or maybe I'm just delirious from yeah. lack of sleep. <laughs> but I I streamed for like both times, like upwards of six hours, which is Jeez. too long. Yeah, it's t I just wanted to play the game. So in two in two six hour streams, I fucking finished the game. And then afterwards at like two in the morning or whatever was like, I'm going to go get high and make a pizza in my oven. And uh, I did that. But you know what I also did? Forgot the pizza in the oven and it burned to a Fell crisp. asleep. Yeah, yeah, baby. I almost died. What's up? What's my up? My entire house smells like terrible. The inside Wait, right of now? Yeah. Is this... <laughs> This is why you had to go outside this morning. Yeah, I had to go outside <laughs> to get to get like some kind of incense or something because it smells fucking awful in here. <laughs> Wait, you let it cook all night? I yeah, I From, fell like, asleep. From like two a.m. to now. I set an alarm for two fifty-four a.m. and then I woke up at nine. <laughs> when I texted you this morning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh at you. That's no, terrible. it's fine. I thought I was going to... It's Wait, Look, here's the thing. Did you throw it away already? I want to see what this pizza looks like. Okay. Hold on. Yes. Yes. First reactions. First reactions. I'll be right back. And I think it's going to be a long, long time while Mondo fishes pizza out of the trash. Paige, there's somebody I'd like to introduce you to. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. And it is the blacked out murder pizza. <laughs> A black void. Darker than darkness itself. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> it's so much worse than I thought it was going to be. And I don't even know how that's possible. It is. <laughs> I'll post a picture on social media. <laughs> on cold podcast of my own. It is a absolute. It is like an art piece. It is just you need a to completely. Like coat that shit in resin and put it on your wall, dude. 
It's so everything is just a slight different shade of black, and when I held it up to the camera, it just sucked in all the light and couldn't. It's like a fucking you know in Looney Tunes where they hold up the the yes, hole. Yes, and then they like jump through. It's like a portal. Yeah, I've created a Looney Tunes style otherworldly portal in my oven, <laughs> and my house smells like fucking garbage. I got a giant hockey puck in my kitchen. Oh my god, it's absolutely useless. And then I realized that I didn't have any leftover pizza because I didn't have the normal pizza. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just eat some cereal. Uh, and it turns <laughs> out I don't have any bowls that are clean. So I just use Tupperware. So it's like I'm just burning oven pizzas and using Tupperware as uh, real dishware. And I've I've never felt more like I've returned. Like, I didn't go to college, but I feel like I'm close right now. You know what I mean? Oh, oh man. Um so we can't really talk about this with the audience, but I've been compiling a list of things of ideas to write on for a project that we're working on in the future. And I just added sentient oven portal to that <laughs> list. <laughs> oh, so Christ. get ready for that. Anyway. Yeah. So it's been a bit of a morning is what I'm saying <laughs> is that yesterday Armando made a bunch of decisions like a fucking scumbag and today armando who's an adult and sober has to deal with them your oven looks like it created cosmic horror like hp lovecraft would gaze upon that pizza and be like no 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 the unknowable the call of pepperoni oh god it's so funny again you dare me to take a bite yes no don't i mean we probably won't be able to record if you do all right I'll do it at the end. Do it, yeah. Do it at the end, and then post the pictures because holy crap, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, oh man, I needed that this morning. Oh. <laughs> I'm glad that I could be. I know you didn't. I like. I know no one like experiencing it was probably bad, but like getting to see it via Zoom, like I yeah, just did. It fucking. Worth it. it was waking up because I fell asleep on my couch, so I woke up and it was just like. Oh, what a perfect, lovely, oh, God, no, and then running over to the oven, which luckily I have, like, I guess a smart oven that decided to turn itself off at some point. After a certain amount of time, yeah. Yeah, which is probably good, but I don't know. I don't know if that's how ovens work, because I feel like, what if you have to bake something for a long time? I don't know. But the oven was off, is my entire point. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. Okay. Well, are you ready to talk about con men? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Ugh. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so today we'll be continuing our coverage of the life of Joseph Smith, uh, based on what we did last week. So some sources really quick up top. We have no man knows my history by Fawn Brody. We have rough stone rolling by Richard Bushman. We have a biography from the American National Biography Association on Joseph Smith. We have the life of Joseph Smith based on the writings of Joseph Smith himself. And we also have What is Dowsing? The Ancient Practice for Treasure Hunting by Calvin E. Powell. Are you ready? Absolutely. Yes. Hit me with it. All right. So let's get a brief recap of where we went last week. The journey we went on last week. So... Last week, Joseph Smith was a sickly child. He had typhoid fever, which had prevented him from using his legs properly because they had to remove part of that bone. Um, You know, that barber came in and gave him the worst cut of all. Uh, (laughs) So Joseph was confined indoors uh, while his family failed to farm and their dad lost all their money on ginseng and didn't bring back any Arizona iced teas. Um, and <laughs> I forgot about, okay. Yeah. Sorry. After his older brother died, it seemed like there was really no way for them to turn it around until Joseph started employing some of the folk magic he'd read about. So let's start with dowsing. Now, Armando, are you familiar with dowsing at all? Uh, yeah. Like if you burn a pizza, you can douse it in some ranch and then it's all good again. <laughs> it doesn't matter it's how much good. of an otherworldly portal you've created in your oven. No, it's fine. Ranch solves everything. Ranch solves everything. So dowsing, also known as divination, any number of names for it. 
Um, but the practice of dowsing originated in ancient times. We know it was practiced in ancient Rome and ancient Greece as a way to find water. Um, and as the Romans and the Greeks spread across the known world at the time, so too did the practice of dowsing. Uh, even in early biblical texts, supposedly dowsing is allowed, uh, mainly to find water. And usually in stories, it's where God has blessed a certain rod and allows them to find water. Uh, Moses in the desert is an example of this. But the Catholic Church later bans dowsing completely. They're just like, except for that one time God said it was okay, we're not doing it. <laughs> And this is something that, oddly enough, Martin Luther agrees with the Catholic Church on, which, by the way, few and far between, doesn't happen often. So he actually held up the Catholic ban on dowsing in 1518, and he referred to it as divining for metals. Um, now, you might say that's different from water, and I'll explain in just a little bit, because Martin Luther was in Germany, and that's going to become important later. So... The reason he opposes it is that he considers it an act that breaks the first commandment. Now, Armando, uh, being well-versed in biblical things, what's the first commandment? Uh, I'm glad you asked me, Paige. The first commandment is freedom of speech, baby. That's right. You can say anything <laughs> you want at any given time, and God can't do anything to stop you? Um, close but uh it was you shall have no other gods before me it's ah, commandment number one yeah yeah so the opposite of freedom of speech actually. yeah pretty much pretty much um so older texts about searching for water don't necessarily include what is known later on as a divining rod which is what joseph smith will use later um which is essentially like a stick that happens to fork at the top um, so original texts on dowsing basically just say that it was people finding water with magic. So that could mean any number of things. Omens, sacrifices, bones, runes. Brita filters. Brita filters. Um, just going to a gas station and being like, do you have Aquafina? Like, however you need <laughs> to find water. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, I, I and, like to imagine that Joseph Smith used a divining rod to find like a whole spring of water, like enough to to give everyone water and then took one taste and went, ugh, Dasani, and just moved on. <laughs> See, I like to think that Brigham Young actually picked up the dowsing rod and was just pointing it at ladies' crotches like, ooh, I found water. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to need all 16 of you to marry me. I found uh, water. I, mean, I found water, except for you, Martha. I found oil. You should go to a doctor immediately. Yeah. <laughs> get, get to the nearest barber. <laughs> um, but essentially, the stick comes around in the 16th century, the 1500s. Uh, they start using a stick, and it's believed that it's kind of just for flourish. Like, it's, ah, okay. you know. Uh, now, in the 1600s in France, uh, the Jesuits considered dowsing satanic, uh, in part because it's divination, it's witchcraft in their belief. And in the south of France, they started using it in small village to track criminals and heretics. What? So essentially, <laughs> you could get arrested and have to go to court and they'd be like, this stick said you were breaking the law. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it doesn't help that I'm fucking that stick's wife. All right. It's, yeah. it's I think it's a setup. <laughs> I think so. I saw the stick dancing with Goody Proctor in the forest. Um, <laughs> that stick's dirty. That stick's on the take. Yes. So <laughs> I'm just picturing, you know, that meme where it's that German shepherd uh, with his paw on the Bible yeah. in a courtroom where they're like swearing him in. And it just says, you're going to fucking jail, Gary. I'm picturing that with just like a stick leaning up against the Bible. <laughs> fucking got you we're gonna throw the book at you <laughs> oh man uh so it basically it literally within a hundred years so from 1600 to 1701 uh they decide that this is a bad idea <laughs> to let sticks determine who goes to jail 
or dies in some cases. Um, oh my god! <laughs> and so in 1701, uh, there's a decree of the Inquisition that forbids the employment of dowsing in purposes of justice. Oh, so you can no longer use a stick to determine if someone's breaking the law. I guess this is um, kind of what you meant, but when you started that sentence, I thought you were going to go, they outlawed the employment of sticks in the police. <laughs> <laughs> They're taking our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, for every I, dollar a man makes, a stick makes like four leaves. So it's not... <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same. It's not equal. I just have in my note, I'm like, this is... Almost like if the log lady from Twin Peaks was judge, jury, and executioner. <laughs> it's the most. No, it's even worse because it's not the log lady. It's the it's, it's log, the log from fucking well, Ren she, and Stimpy. She speaks for the log. It's just, you know, my <laughs> log she, has something Lorax? to tell you. <laughs> That's how she works. My log has something to tell you. And it's, you're getting seven to ten, motherfucker. <laughs> like, I am yeah. the lady from Twin Peaks and I speak for the trees. Exactly. The Lorax is like a famous prosecutor in this world. <laughs> oh the my Lorax God. is like, if the axe don't hit, you must acquit. Oh, oh man. Anyway, I thought that we, I thought you'd have fun with that. I, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Stick lawyers are awesome. I mean, not and, really. I, they not really. Well, and you know, it's France, so yeah. Duh. Duh. Yeah, they'll start an entire war and a subsequent musical over bread. So, yeah, they're a little a dramatic. I mean, I love bread, so I get it. So, over in Germany at the exact same time, and this is a little bit after Martin Luther, they were using dowsing to find treasure or mm. essentially metals. They were finding underground metals. Um, they're using it as like an old-timey metal detector. Which also makes me laugh. Somebody just like waving a stick, making the beeping sounds, just like beep, 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 boop. I got something. <laughs> well, you know that it's like, because that's goofy as hell. So you know the stick's got to be like, I used to be a lawyer, man. Come on. <laughs> I'm better than this. So in some German texts, they refer to this as a luck rod or a striking rod. <laughs> mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Germans actually gotten really good at mining in general and had been for a long time. And they have a ton of ore and minerals just locally. Like this is something they've been doing for hundreds of years. Um, so Britain starts bringing in German miners and giving them licenses to work and mine in the UK or what would become the UK. So this brings the concept of using a dowsing rod to find metals to the UK. They're already using it to find water in the UK, but as far as finding treasure or metals, this kind of comes from Germany. And this is likely how Joseph Smith's ancestors learn about it, because as we covered last week, they were probably from Ireland. So this becomes part of their folk magic bag of tricks, if you want to think of it that way. So Joseph and his father, along with one of his other brothers, decide that the best way to turn their fortunes around is dowsing. So they start going to nearby farms and they use a forked rod and something that their grandparents made, a pair of seeing stones. Now, remember when I told you that they'd likely come from Ireland and that they made a little bit of cash on the side by making magical objects? Yeah. Well... There is a Celtic tradition of divination stones called hag stones, um, also sometimes called witch stones or holy stones. And they're stones often found near bodies of water that have holes in them naturally. The hole would probably be from the erosion of the water. So it just forms over time. But of course, if you're an enterprising magic purveyor, you might definitely make some in order to sell to people who don't know any better. So honestly, we'll never officially know which is which. If they had a pair of hagstones or if they made a pair of hagstones, but regardless, that's what they're using along with a forked stick. So they have a forked stick and rocks with holes in them and they set out to find their fortunes. Oh my God, this is, I don't know. It's just like they're picking stuff up like they're children at a national park, you know, it's and then yeah. using them for magic. 
Well, the practice of using seeing stones wasn't new. It had actually been around for at least a couple hundred years, especially overseas. Um, And it's usually referred to as scrying. But Joseph couldn't just leave it at the basics because, remember, he came up in the revival circuit. He lived in and around the burned over district. So he knew that if he wanted to sell people on his belief, he needed showmanship. So Joseph scried a little differently from everyone else and he gave it its own name. He called it peeping. (laughs) Oh, well... Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does definitely imply something else. And I do picture him just like at a girl's window with stones over his eyes, yeah. just like looking directly at her dressing and being like, I'm looking for treasures. <laughs> like His girlfriend turns around, sees him and is just like, Joseph, is that a divining rod in your pocket? Or are you just happy, are you to, see happy to see me? Are you happy to see me? And it's actually, it is it is funnier because a lot of people don't know this. Joseph Smith, his penis was forked at the end. <laughs> That's how I was so good at finding water. <laughs> oh. Oh, what's in your magic underwear, baby? Ooh, oh, my goodness. I'm trying to get so, your hagstones off, baby. Oh. <laughs> so peeping was where Joseph would take a white stovepipe hat and set it on the ground and then put the seeing stones inside. And then he would shove his face into the hat to read the stones. And there's no record of him or his father ever finding anything except a good grift. (laughs) Which I do want you to just picture that you like paid someone to come to your farm, stick their head in a hat and be like, there's treasure this away because that's what a lot of people did. Oh my God. Here's the thing. Despite never finding any treasure for anyone, they were great at hyping people up and getting them to pay up front. This is a genuine bona fide monorail situation where they're like, Trust me, you're going to love the treasure. You're going to have so much treasure. You're going to get tired of having treasure. You are going to win so much, tired of winning. So if you pay us this small fee up front, you get to keep all the treasure. How does that sound? Well, that sounds mighty fine, Joseph. Yeah. What do you have like a scientific? Oh, what do you do? Okay. You're sticking your face in a hat. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Starting to regret this. Yep. Uh, and so you've got a few things going on here. Number one, you've got the people who are like, well, I don't want to tell people that I paid this much to have a man stick his head in a hat. <laughs> um, but also, you have people who really hope that it does work and want to find treasure. And what Joseph would do is like read the stones and then he would be like, it's over there. Start digging. And then they would leave as soon as like they start excavating. And anytime anyone's like, we haven't found treasure yet. He's like, you gotta believe harder. (laughs) Yeah, that's the problem. You're just not believing enough. Right. I need you to visualize the treasure. Visualize the minuet in G. Um, So... There's those two things going on where there's no internet, there's no phone, there's no way for one farm to quickly communicate to the next farm, hey, there's no fucking treasure, this guy is full of shit, until it's too late. Um, But then also, as they collect payment from these people to find treasure, they start to get kind of wealthy. Not crazy wealthy, but wealthy enough so that when people meet them and see them, they're like, well, they must have found treasure. Look at them. And so it starts to legitimize them more. So they've grifted pretty much all their neighbors and they start to kind of move outward. And again, people are excavating all over thinking that they're going to hit treasure every day. So they start to get a reputation for being successful treasure hunters, even though they never found anything, which is how they caught the eye of Josiah Stowell in 1825. So they're basically like 
the host of a Bigfoot hunting show where you never actually find Bigfoot, but somehow we get to give you like 20 seasons of this dumb shit. Yeah, it's it's ghost hunters where it's like this ball moved. <gasps> wow. Whoa. Well, hold on. You didn't tell me a ball moved. Yeah. Now that's that's real evidence, Paige. It is. And, and I know I've brought this up like three weeks in a row. It's Curse of Oak Island. Yeah. Where we've been digging for six seasons and we found like a coin. Like, yeah, it's it's the promise of treasure. It's the what if there is treasure? Like maybe then we'll like what if we find treasure or if somebody else finds the treasure, wouldn't we feel stupid if we weren't the ones who found it? So Josiah Stowell in 1825 was a rich farmer from New York that had become convinced that there was a lost Spanish mine in Pennsylvania. And it didn't matter that this didn't make any sense. (laughs) Because I don't know if you know how many Spanish people ended up in Pennsylvania during their pirating years, Uh but it's not a lot. It's not many. Yeah. They're mostly on the other coast. Yeah. The Sp- as we covered during uh, uh, Blackbeard, the Spanish, not exactly super welcome on the uh, on the coast near the uh, the Americas. So mm-hmm. uh, and then also on top of that, Pennsylvania, I'm pretty sure like mostly Dutch and German, right? Yes. Uh, and so there really doesn't seem to be much sense to this belief that he has. And there's honestly not a ton of records of like where or why he comes to believe this. It could have been that somebody sold him some sort of bill of goods of like, I, here's a map. Like I promise you there's this treasure or he just came up with it himself. Like, I don't know. And again, to bring up Oak Island, one of the craziest parts of Curse of Oak Island is that they have like a segment of every episode where they're like, so-and-so has a theory about Oak Island. And then it's just a random person they picked up at a bus stop somewhere who has like a hand-drawn map. And they're like, it was definitely the Templars. And you're just like, (laughs) History Channel, do you vet anybody? But that's basically what this is. Um, And he was so convinced that he had already hired another seer to find it. But he had had no luck because, spoiler alert, there's no lost Spanish mine in Pennsylvania. That's madness. Yeah, it's also probably not on your property. I don't know what fucking realtor convinced you. Like, it's got 60 acres and a hidden Spanish mine. Ooh. Yeah. And bay windows. <laughs> and an open concept great room. <laughs> but it's also close to your work in the downtown with a small commute to the beach. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, um, this is terrible. I also love the idea that they just get, by the way, for the Oak Island stuff, that they just get people off the bus who are just like, I lost all my money on Pawn Stars. Now I need to help these people find treasure. If you go through the Rosicrucian cross and rearrange the letters in <laughs> Rosicrucian, but also add letters to Rosicrucian, it spells Oak Island. <laughs> ah, interesting. Sir, what are your qualifications? Did you go to school? No, I just kind of watched most of National Treasure. Yeah. No, this is just my life's work. I've been drawing these maps for 15 years. <laughs> and you're just like, this looks like a child did it with markers. Thank you. That is a big compliment. <laughs> I have Thank gotten you. better. i actually do them by automatic drawing so i close my eyes and just the pen takes me uh but yeah it's it's that where it's there's no there's not a lot of real proof there's just people believing weird things yeah so joseph meanwhile at the time is running out of options because he's been grifting since 1819, and after six years, zero treasure had been found. So in the last few years, he was starting to get antsy, and he had to justify why he was still the authority in treasure hunting. So in 1823, he started coming up with a new grift, Visions. And we'll come back to the visions in a little bit, but keep it in mind, because essentially Josiah Stowell is Joseph's one last big grift before he gets out of the game. So, Joseph wasn't the only one dowsing or treasure hunting at this point. In fact, since he'd gotten popular, others had gotten into it. And remember that at this time, a lot of immigrants are from places 
that DAOs. So it's this thing where people are like, well, we did this back home. Maybe I'll try it here. So one of these people is the seer that Josiah had already hired. And they'd been looking for that lost mine in Pennsylvania for months with nothing to show for it. So Josiah goes to Joseph for the task. But Joseph knew damn well there was no mine there. Or if there was, he knew that he actually had no real way to find it. But by now, he had an entire crew. Like they were scamming so many farms, they had a team. So he thought that the only thing he could do with Josiah was to basically convince Josiah that there was no treasure. Basically like, you can trust me. I'm the seer. I'm going to be honest with you. There's no treasure here and you've been wasting your money. But he didn't do that until he'd already taken his money for a month. So like, you know... It's kind of this idea of like if you're a salesperson, if you work in sales, one of the easiest ways to get someone on your side is to tell them not to buy something. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but if somebody is looking at like the most expensive option or something like that, they're probably unlikely to buy it or they might be. Who knows? Um, But you start kind of asking them questions about what they need. And then you say, you know what? I feel like this highest price option might be a little bit of overkill for what you need, but this mid-range option, that's exactly what you need. And you might be able to sell them things that are actually costing more than the highest priced option because they think you were honest because you didn't immediately go for the highest priced option. It seems like you're actually working for them. And that's what Joseph is doing here. He's like, look, I'm going to be real with you, man. There is no treasure. Stop paying me. You know, even though he's already paid him for a month. So, like, he's got the money. He's just trying to seem more honest at this point. Which is, yeah, like you said, it's one of the tricks of the trade where Mm -hmm. um, normally the goal is to make yourself more trustworthy so that you can can get them to come back and buy more later. The problem is, is that if you didn't do it the first time... Yeah. What... (laughs) I just, I don't know. I don't get it. Well, here's the thing. It's like, there's no mine. So I think he knows that it's like, either we look for it for months and then he's mad because we haven't found anything because we're not going to find anything. And he's clearly not giving this up. Or I claim that in my divine wisdom, it's not there. And we stop the hunt early, but at least he's not on my back for months, if that makes sense. So this leaves Joseph able to pivot into what he'd already been prepping for which was religious conversion and we don't really find out about this until later accounts written around 1840 but in later accounts from both joseph and his mother joseph really glosses over this period of treasure hunting he kind of acts like it didn't happen and instead focuses largely on visions through most of this time And that's what eventually will go into the Book of Mormon. Uh, It is really interesting to note that there are some other accounts at the time for when Joseph really started promoting his visions and kind of trying to be a religious leader that a lot of the people that he scammed didn't believe him because they were like, well, you also told us there was treasure. So and he kind of has to move around to get people to actually listen to him. But. According to his later writings in 1820, so about five years before Josiah hires him, he'd been praying in a wooded area near his home where both God and Jesus appeared to him, told him all his sins were forgiven, and that contemporary churches had turned aside from the gospel, and it was his responsibility to lead the one true church, which of course is very convenient. It's convenient when God tells you you're the only one with the answers. Like, how many times have we heard this? So many. It is one. It's like cult 101. Yeah, absolutely. And so three years later, in 1823, he claimed that he received the vision that would really make a difference. According to his later accounts, he was visited by an angel named Moroni. Now, 
I've always heard it pronounced Moroni, M-O-R-O-N-E, but it's definitely spelled Moroni. Um, that just sounds like a detective, though. Like, Yeah, or he's you know. talking to Jenna Moroni from fucking th- 30 <laughs> right. Rock. From 30... 30- oh, my God. If Jenna Moroni was the angel giving him this information... Everything would make so much more sense. That's all I'm trying to say. Honestly, it would. So while praying one night in 1823, Joseph Smith said that the angel revealed the location of a buried book made of golden plates, as well as other artifacts. Now, I think by plates, he just means like flat rectangles, Mm. not like just plates, because not dinner plates, I should say. Uh, As a kid growing up hearing this, the whole golden plate thing, because I was not raised Mormon, but we have Mormon relatives. um, And... I remember a couple times my parents tried to explain to me what Mormons believed and they were like these gold plates and in my brain they were just dinner plates and I was like who reads dinner plates um but no I think it's just you know rectangular plates oh they're my commemorative Star Wars plates (laughs) and they're I have a commemorative Mr. T plate and a Godzilla plate and a Pee Wee Herman plate (laughs) wait are these real they are real. They're in my kitchen. I'll post pictures of them. I also have one that says, uh, God bless this lousy apartment. Uh, I got one better. I've got commemorative burnt pizza plate. That's right. You can eat anything <laughs> off of this thing. Mm. Oh, oh and it smells like death. <laughs> oh, that's really amazing. Mm. Um, but he said, along with the gold plates, there were other artifacts, including a breastplate, like a piece of armor. Ah, okay. I thought it was a booby plate, like a, a commemorative plate for Titty. I'm, hey, when I die, mm. you know how people make death masks? Mm-hmm. I should make a Titty mask. <laughs> so that long after I'm gone, people will be like, damn, those were bodacious titties. <laughs> oh, bodacious uh, <laughs> is great. Sorry. It is. It's perfect. Uh, So along with the breastplate, uh, there also were supposed to be two seer stones set in a frame. And lucky as Joseph would have it, they were hidden in a hill near his home. (laughs) Of course they were. Convenient that you lived here after moving to different farms. Mm -hmm. Um, In his... In his version, I believe he he says that the angels placed them there. So, like, they knew he was there, so then they buried him. Um, So, according to him, he went out and attempted to remove the plates the next morning, but was unsuccessful because the angel returned and prevented him from digging them up. So then, he said that over the next four years, he would make annual visits to the hill but it wasn't until the fourth and final visit that he was able to retrieve the plates. These plates and recounting his visions were about to be his new business venture until 1826 when he was brought before a county court for, quote, glass looking was the charge. Um, but essentially it's divination and pretending to find lost treasures. So like fortune telling. Mm. So And he was going up against feared prosecutor Sticky McStickface. Exactly. And Sticky McStickface doesn't fucking lose. No. He'll throw the book at you, which is hard for him to do because one, he doesn't have hands. And two, that book is made out of his ancestors. Yeah, he's the hardest stick in the judicial branch. (laughs) (sighs) Essentially, everyone he had scammed over the last six years was like, Hey! Um... (laughs) So, we didn't find the treasure? Uh, However, the trial doesn't result in any jail time. In fact, records for the time are inconclusive, but it seems like because people voluntarily gave him money for treasure, that the court was kind of like, you guys should just not be dumb. Like, he he promised to look for treasure. Like that was his yeah. pitch was looking for treasure. Also, and this is this is maybe a bad stance to take, but you can make a pretty convincing argument for like, hey, I told you I told you what I knew. You're right. the one who couldn't find the treasure. Exactly. Yes. So, it doesn't result in jail time. He gets out. But it's during this time 
while living in a boarding house in Pennsylvania and having finished with Josiah Stowell's mine and finished with the court case, that he meets the woman who would become his partner in crime, a woman named Emma Hale. And her dad hated it because he (laughs) fully thought that Joseph was just a con man. And he's not wrong. So in order to marry Emma, Joseph had to agree to abandon treasure hunting altogether and help out with the family business. So he made one last trip to the hill near his house on September 22nd, 1827. And he took Emma with him. And this time, according to him, he successfully retrieved the plates. And he said that an angel commanded him not to show the plates to anyone else. So that's the key. Where he's like, I got him. And they're like, let us see. And he's like, I can't show him to anybody. <laughs> but I no. promise I have them. I definitely have them. Um, so with the plates in tow, he agrees or tells everyone that he has agreed to uh, translate them and publish their translation. Now, he says that the translation was a story about the religious record of Middle Eastern indigenous Americans. So, yes. So indigenous peoples in America that had come from the Middle East Mm. and that this was engraved in an unknown language that he called Reformed Egyptian. (laughs) Okay. He also told all of his associates, and this is all of his group of treasure hunting team people, that he was capable of reading and translating them, but he was the only one who could understand the language. So let's bring we're, it down for a sec. Uh, yeah, because I need to. Were people just like more gullible back then? I don't understand. This is so clearly a lie. Yeah, well, and, and I think at this point, he's only telling his close group of confidants and we'll get to it in a second, but I don't think they necessarily fully believe the religious aspect of it. Um, but he basically is like, I found these, you can't have them. You can't see them. I'm the only one who can see them. I'm the only one who can translate them. And I'm the only one who knows what it says. You got to trust me on this. And so he at this point after finding the plates is like i'm done with treasure hunting forever and tells his crew they can go on and do whatever they're going to do but they can't use his seeing stones they can't use his hat they have to do their own thing without him after he'd found the golden plates and they're like um fuck you bruh like We were your treasure people. And if you actually found treasure, if you actually found these plates, you're supposed to split them with us. Like we're, we're due payment for whatever you find. And so they actually ransack his home. Whoa. To try and find where the plates are hidden. They toss the entire place. They basically hold them hostage, but they were not able to find the plates now one could argue maybe it's because those plates don't exist well yeah but that's like very cynical and obviously not true the plates were real Paige. right i ate off of them they're totally real um (laughs) but regardless after being unable to find the plates they all abandon joseph and set out to do their own thing and joseph and emma decide that in order to keep the plates safe And in order to stay away from the people who thought they were owed money from them, they believed it was time they set out on their own. And that's where we'll end this week. Wow. Yeah. Look at this. Paige Wesley finding any excuse to talk about cookware. (laughs) The plates were actually a turquoise butter print Pyrex. uh, (laughs) But only I can see them. <laughs> yeah, there's this great recipe on it for eternal life and pretty good sourdough, but only it's, I can read it. It's the blue chip commemorative casserole. Uh, mm. That is, it's the written w- in a language called Reformed sur la table. <laughs> oh man, it's yeah, it's a lot of um, 
uh, oh no, definitely my girlfriend. My plates are in Canada. You've never <laughs> yeah, seen them. I've got some. I've got Canadian plates. You don't know them. They go to a different cookware set. Well, this is also so. My great grandfather was Mormon and um, had always claimed that my great grandmother uh, had indigenous heritage. Um, I don't know how true that is. Um, I think it might be the thing white people do where they're like, I'm part Cherokee. And you're like, you're not. You're from Nebraska. Like, stop it. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know how true that is. But he had always claimed that that's why he had converted to Mormonism um, mm. was because of their relationship with indigenous Americans. Uh, and now reading on like how they interact with indigenous Americans, I'm like, that's not a reason to join this is not a good relationship like yeah there's very much a like mormon version of their relationship with indigenous americans and a real version <laughs> that is like not connected or it, it doesn't know that's not correct also i i really think the idea of it, it being reformed egyptian is wild yeah like reform i the reformed part is really what's fucking me up right 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 i was like reformed from what and why is it egyptian in the first place like i don't understand like none of this makes sense this is and it, and it just i picture the book of the dead from the mummy where they're like, who does see Mamenifus? <laughs> Emotep. You know, like, <laughs> is the angel Moroni Emotep? We'll never know. Yeah, this next passage says, Mama say, Mama Sama, Maikosan. Oh. oh. I think this one's just a Garfield comic, but like, <laughs> that's just me and my seeing stones. Yeah, this one, I guess that one translates to Monday's lasagna. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's it's far fetched for sure. And to be honest, his history with grifting everyone around him is going to mm -hmm. make it a hard sell for a lot of people because like even at the time and I, I will say that in some ways I feel like people are a little more trusting at the time for some things because there's not instant fact checking, I think. In some ways, in the future, we become more skeptical because we can instantly have answers, although some people choose not to use them. Um, but at the time, even, there are still people who are like, this seems like full bullshit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it's just a matter of like, you know, finding the right people where this kind of fits with their existing belief system and it being something they want to believe and kind of want to invest in. Um, and he also has to kind of get out of this area because they're all like, you conned all of us. Yeah, I guess I, it makes sense, but it's just always strange to me to learn that like just a couple hundred years ago, apparently every single person on earth had the like brain capacity of a six-year-old where you could walk up and be like, yeah, there's magic plates. And they go, oh, for real? That's so cool. Wow. Well, imagine, I mean, like, because I was thinking about that, too. And I was, like, thinking about the people that he would have been telling this to or selling this kind of bill of goods to. And many of them had, like, never left their town. They Their whole life is the farm. And so their world is very small. So even if they're very smart people they just don't have a breadth of knowledge that a lot of people have, you know, like they're, they're limited to what they have in front of them to understand. And there were people that rejected him. I mean, not every single farm took him up on it, you know, but enough people did that. Like he has this reputation as kind of a flim flam man and then is trying to pivot it into religion, much like an L Ron Hubbard. I mean, like think about, like he also was full of shit and writing terrible science fiction books and then all of a sudden convinced people that he was better than psychology. So like this has happened both, you know, previous time, current time. Think about everyone who thinks Teal Swan is worth listening to. Like it never changes. It is always people who are looking for something to believe will find something to believe and it's not always good. 
That is true. And I want to state, just for the record, that I am sitting here asking how could people be so stupid while I am sitting next to a giant hockey puck (laughs) of my own design. It honestly, here's the, okay, I know this is an audio podcast and people can't hear it, but like every time he lifts it up, it looks like you're just seeing into somebody's soul. Like it's just (laughs) completely just sucks all the light. It's just black hole. Yeah. It's fucking awful. I, by the time you're listening to this, the episode will, or the, uh, the picture will be, have put been posted on, uh, cult podcasts, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera. So go look at it because it is truly, honestly, haunting. It is a <laughs> terrifying image to behold. Um, yeah. Hey. Hey, everyone. What's up? That was the episode. Now we're getting into plugs. This is my transition into that. It's very bad. Uh, it's me. It's your boy. It's Armando Torres. And uh, what do I got to plug? Ooh, baby, you know I've got some stuff. This weekend, the the week that this is coming out. So what is that? That is the 25th and the 26th. I'm going to be at VidCon, baby. That's Woo! right. Yep. I'm going to be there. I'm doing a panel uh, called Diversity in Podcasting. If you want to come learn how to do a podcast real good. Um as a diverse person come through roll through it's a lot of fun it's gonna be a blast and also uh afterwards we're gonna do um like a after party thing but it's like a show so there's like always open there's podcasts but outside uh it's gonna be a great time you're gonna love it come out to vidcon anaheim california baby let's go if you're there come find me i'm gonna be handing out business cards with www.carpets69.com on them (laughs) also visit carpets69.com if you want to see twitch stuff it's really fun um next week though the week after this one Paige and i are going to be at rtx baby that's right we're doing it up doing it big july 1st we've got a show there is a ticket link in the bio of this video pot nope it's just a podcast and my brain is broken sorry there is a ticket link in the description of this podcast that you can go and check out uh, to get tickets. Um, come out to our live show. It's going to be a blast. We've got we've got everything. We've got games. We've got segments. We've got a special guest coming through. Um, somebody that we just confirmed that I didn't even tell Paige about yet. You did yeah. not. I'm, I'm learning about this right now. <laughs> it's going to be good. And then on the night of the first, uh, we're doing the comedy show. That's right. RTX yes. comedy. I'm pretty sure it's sold out. 300 tickets it or is. something. Fucking crazy. It's going to be a blast. Come on out to RTX. I've got a bunch of live panels um, throughout the entire weekend. I'm not going to get very much sleep, uh, but I'm going to love being there every single moment. And then after that, I've got some shows. Uh, oh, also this Friday on the 24th, I'm doing a show at the Elysian. It's uh, called Iffy and His Friends, and it's with my buddy Iffy. Come on out. It's going to be a blast. All this stuff and more you can find on my social medias. You can go to at Mondo Does Stuff on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, um, Twitch, uh, all that good stuff. Or go to www.carpets69.com, baby. Which, by the way, I just went to carpets69.com, and it just routes directly to your Twitch, and I'm so proud of you. That's very fun. (laughs) Perfect branding. Mmm, baby. Uh, Yeah, long-running tradition of buying up website domains. (laughs) um it's a blast thank you so much i love you and i will talk to you very soon goodbye and good night and good luck bye uh hey it's your girl Paige. i'm here every week if you didn't hear me enough today you can listen to uh romancing the pod or horror virgin as mondo mentioned i will be at rtx on the first uh come say hi we'll be doing a cult podcast panel and the comedy show uh Other than that, I've got a bunch of other stuff going on all the way through September. So if you're looking for show dates, watch my social media. I'll be posting them there uh, as soon as tickets and things are available. And 
Uh, if you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me at Rampage Wesley on Instagram, at Page Wesley on Twitter, or at Rampage Wesley on TikTok, where I don't post anything. I just watch people chop logs. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Chopping logs sounds like a euphemism for pooping. It does. It does. Um. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'll be right back. I gotta go chop a log. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Hey. If you want to follow Colt Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, all of that, you can. You can go to Instagram at Colt Podcast or Twitter at Colt Podcast Show. You can also send us one of them sick little emails, baby, and uh, send that bad boy over to Colt Podcast Show uh, at gmail.com. Or if you have seeing stones that you want to send to us so that we can see Mm. treasure that's definitely not imaginary and in Canada, Mm. you could send them to 3756 West Avenue 40, Sweet K, number 237, like The Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. Yeah. And I think for this one, I'm going to say don't drink anything that a stick hands you (laughs) and don't drink the kool-aid bye Bye. this is my divination stick it gets me to uh the nearest baja blast (laughs) (laughs) okay if somebody wants to send us a divination rod for finding baja blast Uh, please send it to 3756 west 740 sweet k Number 237, like The Shining. Uh, Thank you.